0: This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good afternoon everyone. When I consider the heavens, when we look at the night sky filled with with twinkling stars what response does it evoke in us come to that psalm please psalm 8 again doesn't it it fill us with with a sense of awe and wonder when we behold the majesty the the magnitude and the sheer beauty of the heavens well it certainly did the psalmist here in um, psalm 8 Um, verse 3 when I consider thy heavens the work of thy fingers the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained what is man that thou art mindful of him and so yes looking at the night sky can give us a sense of perspective really when we compare our, our own smallness our insignificance to the enormity the vastness and the wonder of the universe well come with me please to Isaiah chapter 40 and let's just consider what God says about his creation so Isaiah 40 and we'll look at verse 25 to whom then will ye liken me or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Who, who can we compare God to, it's saying, isn't it? Lift up your eyes on high, or look to the heavens, and behold, who hath created these things, these, these stars, these planets, that brings out their host by, by number? God brings them forth, and they proceed across the night sky in an orderly way, don't they? He calleth them all by names, By the greatness of his might. For that he is strong in power. Not one fails. Not one is lacking. They're all there like a shepherd knows his sheep. He counts them. makes sure they're all present. So the stars and the planets proceed as it were across the night sky. In a predictable orderly arrangement. Verse 28. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? That the everlasting God, the Lord, The Creator of the ends of the earth faints not, neither is weary. So, God isn't like us. We do get tired. We do grow weary and faint, don't we? But God doesn't. And it says there's no searching of His understanding. So, God declares Himself here to be the Creator, doesn't He? The Creator of the heavens and everything that's in the heavens, all those stars. He knows them, we read, by name. And there's no searching of his understanding. No one can fathom God's understanding. It's too great. It's beyond our capacity as human beings to to grasp. And yet we can see his handiwork in every direction. Whether we look through the telescope or the microscope. All witness to him to his power his wisdom in the order and the function and the beauty of all that we see around us everywhere well come to the New Testament please Romans chapter 1 mankind in general does not really acknowledge God despite the evidence of creation in fact God says this very thing in verse 19 because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. So it's, it's in us. It's something we instinctively know. It's apparent. It's obvious. As the verse goes on. For God hath showed it unto them. He, he's made it known. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. So although we can't see God himself, of course, we can see the incredible things that he has made, and they are a witness to his existence. And the verse goes on, so that they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. So people knew God existed all right, but they would not admit it. So they didn't honor him or or thank him for giving them life. And the verse goes on. But became vain in their imaginations. or, Or empty in their reasonings, their thinkings. And their foolish heart was darkened. In other words, they followed their own reasonings, their own imaginations. And so we have developed ideas like evolution. A theory that rejects God as the creator and postulates that everything came into existence by themselves, by chance. God, however, is saying that we can perceive him in his works of creation (coughs) rather like a famous painter is known, is recognized and identified by his particular style of work, his approach, his technique. So, God's handiwork can identify him in in the order and the structure, uh, in the way things are are designed to work together, and of course in the beauty that we see in creation, typical of God's work. So, let's look at an example then. Come with me please to Genesis chapter 1, and let's think about starlight, starlight. Do we take the way the stars light up the night sky for granted? Or do we think they just came about by chance? God says the stars were designed by him for the very purpose of lighting up the night sky. Verse 15. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven. To give light upon the earth. And it was so. Consider how how beautiful and how fitting the night sky actually is. If, for example, the stars were too bright, we would lose the contrast between day and night. The nights would be too bright, and the stars would be visible during the day. Also, if the closer stars were, were too bright, they would block out our view of the stars beyond. Rather like facing the dazzling sun and trying to look beyond it but as it is the earth's position in the Milky Way galaxy allows us a clear view of other parts of the universe which would not necessarily be the case if the earth were say near the centre of the galaxy or near a dust cloud so on the one hand the stars must not be too bright but on the other hand they mustn't be too dim either because God has determined that they should be seen, since He appointed them to, as it says, divide the day from the night, and as we read, to give light upon the earth. And the more we discover about the universe, the more we can appreciate the delicate balance and fine tuning that God has incorporated into the heavenly bodies to make them appropriate for the job given them in his great scheme of things. Come with me please to Job chapter 38. When God is speaking here to Job, he draws Job's attention to the stars, among other things, as evidence of his his power and wisdom. And he asks Job a series of questions about Job's, Job's ability to create and control the heavenly bodies. For example, in verse 31 of chapter 38, he says, Can you, Job, bind the sweet influences of Pleiades? Pleiades is a constellation of seven, uh, of seven stars known as the Seven Sisters. Or the verse goes on, Or loose the bands of Orion. And Orion, you may know, is one of the most conspicuous and recognisable constellations. And it goes on, canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season? That's referring to the 12 constellations that pass across the night sky during the year. And it goes on, or canst thou guide Arcturus? And that's the brightest star in the northern hemisphere. Uh, And it follows the great bear or the plough as it revolves around the pole star. Can you guide that star? Job, God is saying. Well, of course he couldn't. Man cannot even count the stars. There are just too many. With the naked eye, it's said there are about 3,000 stars that are visible. But as increasingly powerful telescopes have penetrated deeper and deeper into the universe, countless galaxies, each containing billions of stars, have come into view. And God knows them by name. God has a level of wisdom and power and understanding that's just way beyond our capacity to grasp. No wonder the prophet Jeremiah says, Ah, oh, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. We'll come back to Genesis chapter 1, please. And let's consider the moon uh, for a moment And this is verse 16. And God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day, of course, that's the sun, and the lesser light to rule the night, the moon. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness now at night the moon's brightness is is just right being dim enough to keep the night sky dark over all and yet bright enough to show its its rule or its superiority over the stars and the planets just as God intended God made the moon to as it says rule the night and so it has a level of brightness it is greater than the other objects in the night sky as viewed from the earth now despite the large size of the moon in relation to the earth it's 27% the the size of the earth all of the moons in the solar system are much smaller than the planets that they orbit our moon is, is big It's unusual, really. And yet, it still only reflects just 7% of the light it receives from the sun. It doesn't generate any any light of its own. It's a dead world. It just reflects just 7% of the light it receives from the sun. And this is really a very low level of reflectivity. But it's just right for giving the moon the right level of brightness on the earth. Now you might think that because the moon is so big and so close it it would reflect far more of the sun's light. But if it did, then the night would be be far too bright. But the moon's importance is not just about having the right level of brightness. The moon also needs to be just the right size for affecting the earth's tides, for example. If the moon were bigger, it would have a stronger gravitational pull on the Earth's tides and that would result in the coastal regions of the Earth being swamped by massive tides twice a day. On the other hand, if the moon was too small and therefore its gravity too weak, then the tides wouldn't be able to clean and refresh the coasts twice a day as they do. (coughs) The moon's gravity also affects ocean currents helping to move nutrients around the oceans and it stabilizes also the ocean temperature which in turn affects the world's weather which in turn affects the growth of crops which in turn affects the food that we eat so again we can see how all these things interact together Um, different aspects of the heavenly bodies having their influence on the earth. They're all finely tuned so that they're just right in all of their influences on the earth, just as God intended. And perhaps we can see then what God meant in verse 33 in Job when he said to Job, do you know how the heavens influence the earth, Job? Well, the moon's distance from the earth and its size also help to stabilise the earth's axis to stop it wobbling as it spins round in in space and the moon's size also makes it easier to see with the naked eye which is important as we read in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14 just have a look at that one and God said Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons for days and years. Now the way the moon takes on a different shape every night as as it changes its position is is really both beautiful and it's informative as it goes through its predictable 29 and and a half day cycle. The exact day of the month <coughs> can be determined from the size and the shape of the moon. And throughout history, uh, the sun, the moon, and the stars have been a great help to mankind as a calendar, as a clock, and also as a navigational aid. <coughs> Excuse me. Sundials can give the time to quite an accurate extent, and the stars can also be used to tell the time at night. This is because the stars appear to rotate around the pole star, rather like a clock, if you can imagine a clock. Uh, they, they rotate around the pole star in, in the northern hemisphere, that is. Um, so this provides, really, a means of telling the time to within about 30 minutes to someone who's you know, familiar with this sort of thing. It's also remarkable that the moon viewed from Earth almost exactly covers the sun during a solar eclipse. In a similar way, the Earth's shadow just happens to blot out the moon for a lunar eclipse. Now, the probability of three very different size spheres in space and being so far apart should so interact as to produce those two types of eclipses at regular intervals is really surely evidence of God's design hand at work. <clears throat> the planet Earth then is not the result of blind chance because there are just too many critical factors that all have to be just right for the earth to be a viable place for life to exist. It's distance from the sun, the type of sun it revolves around, it's position in the solar system, it's position in the galaxy, the earth's size, it's gravitational loading, it's rate of spin, not too fast, not too slow, it's protective magnetic field, The Earth's magnetic field shields us from much of the radiation that the sun emits, the solar wind. The Earth's particular atmosphere is just right for life. Its abundance of liquid water and many, many more critical features which all have to be in place and within fine tolerances to enable life to exist. Well, come with me, please, to Isaiah chapter 45. All of those things that we've considered have been put in place by God, a being with wisdom and with power on a scale that we just can't comprehend. And he's done it for a special purpose because the earth, Is the place uniquely prepared by God for life? It's nothing less than God's handiwork, formed to be the stage, the arena, the focus of His purpose. Verse 18 For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God Himself that formed the earth and made it, He has established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. To be inhabited not only by mankind, but ultimately that God Himself should dwell with man on a planet filled ultimately with God's glory. And if we're worried about the seeming insignificance of the planet Earth in relation to the vastness of the universe, we need to remember that the Earth is the center of things in importance only. It's the only habitable planet that we know of. The Earth's importance is not measured by being the biggest thing in the universe... ...or being the physical centre of the universe... ...just as London is not the geographical centre of the UK... ...nor was was Rome the geographical centre of the Roman Empire. No, the Earth is important because of all places in the universe... God created the earth to be the place where his only begotten Son was born and where God himself will one day dwell. Man is busy developing technological advances and you know very often breakthroughs in science and technology occur when man mimics God's designs in creation. God however is a moral being and it's moral issues that are of primary importance to God and it's really only by understanding this that we're going to be able to make sense of what we observe in creation because moral issues affect physical creation It's moral issues that have brought about what we currently see in the whole of the universe. What has been called the cycle of futility. And this is seen in all of creation. Wherever we look, everything is subject to this process of a birth, a growth, a decline, a decay and a death. A birth, a growth, decay, death, round and round each generation when the first man Adam sinned by rebelling against God's commandments it was a moral issue wasn't it and the consequences of that rebellion against God have reverberated through the whole of creation the whole of creation every aspect of creation was affected But God's purpose in creation is not going to fail because of man's failure. Come to Romans chapter 8, please. God sent his son to redeem the situation, to rescue the situation. Romans 8, verse 21. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption, that cycle of futility, that birth, that growth, decay and death going round and round. It's going to end. It's going to come to an end. Creation is going to be delivered from this present state into, the verse says, the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only so, but ourselves also. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Yes, we are waiting for redemption on a personal level, aren't we? And again, it's, it's all about moral issues, and it's the work of Jesus Christ... Who, although a man like us sharing our human nature, who lived a morally upright life in that he didn't sin, was not rebellious, but always honored his father in his life. And it is by our association with him, by belief in him as the Savior, and by baptism into him, thereby being adopted into his family, we can share his moral righteousness and be accounted righteous by God again these are moral issues aren't they and it's, it's moral development that God is looking for well our last passage come to Exodus 34 please one day this planet will be filled with God's glory God said that to a man called Moses and Moses asked God to show him his glory and God in effect says yes I will and what was it that God showed to Moses was it his great wisdom or his boundless understanding or his, his mighty power in some spectacular display no it wasn't any of those things what he revealed to Moses was his Character. Verse 5 And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. These are Moral attributes. This is what is important to God. In fact, so important that God describes it as His glory. And this is what God wants people to value those moral attributes, those characteristics. If mankind seeks for answers to the purpose and the meaning of of life through scientific and technological advancement is looking in the wrong direction. It's moral development that holds the key. That is why God has provided the guidance, the instruction, and the training that we need in the book that we call the Bible, which God caused to be written, caused to be preserved, and made available to us so that we can gain the understanding of what we need to do in order to obtain the salvation that God offers. So in conclusion then, I commend it to you as the most important book that you will ever read. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, Christadelphians.org.uk.